0: Listen, I want to welcome those who are here for the first time. Can we celebrate them, put our hands together, just welcome them. Also, we want to make sure we, we just welcome those online as well. Thank you for joining with us as well. We miss you, but we're glad you're taking in church online today. If it happens to be your first time, we've got a small gift for you on your way out. It's just a way we say thank you for being with us. It's a coffee card to coffee crossing, and uh, we know this to be true. You can never have too much coffee. Amen. Um, we are in a series called Fruition. It's not a word we use every day, um, but it is a word that, that brings to mind an image immediately, the image of fruit. And so this series, um, I'm slow burning through, okay? It's not a, it's not a wildfire, It's not a fruit of the Spirit message, but messages dealing with some important fruit, Paul would call it. Another word we could use are characteristics of people that follow Jesus. Paul's writing specifically to a church called Gaul. What a wonderful church name, Gaul. We have framed it as Galatians. And in chapter 5, so near the end of the book... He lists, he actually on one account lists the fruit of what is called the flesh, the life we had before Christ. And he uses this term, hey, the fruit of the flesh is pretty obvious. And if you've read the list, we did a couple of weeks ago, if you've read the list, you're like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. And then he lists what we call the fruit of the spirit. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Galatians 5. And today, I'd love it if you take a little marker and, and look at Romans chapter 14 as well. We're going to be uh, spending a bit of time in those two chapters. Now, Galatians 5, we're going to take a moment and read the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what I want you to begin reading these as. I don't want you to see them as a deficit in your life, meaning you approach them and continually miss the mark. I want you to begin to see them as an invitation and that your new nature in Christ has these. So it's like, if you will, you're not coming to the bank account of the fruit of spirit and you've overdrawn and you're negative. No, let's just pretend you're way over budgeted and it's a beautiful thing. You've got tons of stock in the bank, so to speak. So as we read these, begin to see yourself in this light. Okay? Galatians 522 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Begin to see yourself as loving, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. Imagine with me human history. If the leaders of nations were filled with love, joy, peace, what about patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Wouldn't you imagine human history would probably look a lot differently. i imagine in your home, if you grew up with parents who were... Filled with love, joy, peace, patience. How many of you know it would make a difference? Right? God has not only invited us, He's really leading us. If we walk with Him, if we spend time with Him, we begin to produce, not we in our own strength, but the Holy Spirit begins to produce this fruit in us. This past Thursday, I had an epiphany about the fruit of the Spirit in an orthodontics office. Little afternoon scheduling to take my daughters with me. Our oldest daughter was just doing a, just doing a standard visit, getting some new uh, trays for Invisalign. All right. And I uh, was there, I was waiting, and I thought, wow, this is kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. She goes, right, and if you will, submits herself, she should, to the leadership of the orthodontist, who every once in a while comes alongside and gives her a new set of trays. Now, when she first gets the new set of trays, she hates them because they're uncomfortable. The old trays... Have done their job, but now the new trays are, you know, you're familiar with braces. Just squeezing it a little more, tightening it up, and it's a little painful, but it's for the good. And the end result, though it's not the fruit of the Spirit, the end, of, end result is some pearly whites. It's that perfect smile we all desire. Now, some of us are blessed with straighter teeth than others, right? But do we? why that hit me is because the fruit of the Spirit, we can't pay for it. We can't go out and buy it. You can get there through discipline in one hand, but hands down, it's a long obedience in the same direction. doesn't happen overnight. But if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you make a mistake, but here's the key, you get back up. Over time, the slow burn of God's work, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, Produces this fruit. And here's the thing, if you think about the fruit of the Spirit as, you know, <clears throat> my personality profile, my Enneagram, my disc assessment, my Myers-Briggs, it's positioned me to understand I have no patience. <laughs> so I'm giving up. No, you can't do that as a follower of Christ, right? You can't say, listen, I was born angry. My parents were angry. My grandparents were angry. My great-grandparents were angry. And I'm pretty sure all the way back, we're just angry. It's just how we are. Like, sorry, you have to lay that down. But go ahead and put those guns down. you following Jesus now. And so you don't get to make up your identity. You don't get to be like, hey, you know what? I'm just, uh, I'm a dearie. We get ticked off. That's just who we are. no. It may appear that way in some circumstances, such as traffic, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't be that way. And Paul, he's writing this letter. He's like, he's like, man, look, you guys, God is doing a good work. He's called you. And as you grow as a church and as people come alongside and, and, and come into the church, here's what I want to remind you. I want to remind you that as you follow Jesus, as you abide in Jesus, keep these these characteristics before you. Because you're not discipling your old man. No. Paul says you crucified that. You're now your new man in Christ. New woman in Christ. And So we're learning. We're growing. We're walking into that identity and I'm prepping away because today's a little uncomfortable. Like I don't want you taking this message personal. But it's very personal. All of the fruit of the Spirit are personal. Like, they're like a mirror. Don't you, come on, let's just be honest. Don't you love showing up at church when you know the sermon's about the person next to you and not you? Come on, somebody, isn't that a good day? Isn't that a good day? Isn't that just a good day where you you go home, you you look at your spouse like me, and I just say, honey, you know that sermon was for you. Just kidding. Tried that once and never again. No, I'm kidding. But but, But it's interesting, you know, when this letter arrived, to the church, and they begin to circle the letter around, and it became a way of thinking for the new Christians, these people who had, had really uh, lived a life that was pleasing, not to King Jesus, but typically to Caesar and to Rome. Now they've been called into a new way of living, and how many of you know, you're going to make some mess-ups, you're going to have some mistakes, you're going to do some things that are dumb. Because how many of you know, you're still going to mess up, make some mistakes, and do some things that are done. But it's important to get back up. It's important to fix our eyes. As Hebrews tells us, keep fixing our eyes on Jesus. And here's what we're doing. We're going to keep practicing. Practicing our faith. Practicing our relationship. And I promise you, it's a guarantee that over time, as you abide and obey God's Word these fruit will begin to take place. And so today, we're in our third installment, and we're looking at the word peace. Looking at the word peace. I want to describe two pieces we find very quickly. I'm going to cover these very quickly. The the struggle for me today is these two that I'm going to cover quickly, in a lot of ways, they're the most important. It's because of these two that we get this third piece that we see in Galatians 5. These first two, you may be familiar with. First, there's a peace that God made between God and humanity. Paul describes this in another one of his letters. He wrote a letter to a church in Ephesus, and we call it Ephesians chapter 2, 11-18. Here's the peace. We'll read these words, and I think if you're a follower of Christ, these are going to resonate. Dare I say you may get a little giddy. May get a little excited. May have to whip out a handkerchief and start hooping and hollering, but remain calm. But I know you're doing it on the inside, okay? There's a piece, just think about that for a moment, that God made. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. Yes, a decision you made, but it's a work that God did. It's the one defining characteristic of Christianity Christianity is the only global world religion that does not build a ladder to heaven. It's a stairwell that heaven came to earth. It's called grace. And it's the peace that God gives you and I. Let's read. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ. We're like, absolutely. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once where? Far away have been brought what? Near through the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he himself, here it is, is our what? Say it together. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit calm down that's incredible it is the gospel story it's the nearness of God like 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 maybe y'all were so holy okay but I've got areas of my life I look at areas back in my past. And it's like, no, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. It's like, man, if you were keeping a record of my wrongdoing and let's just propose on a really great day, there was one mistake. Well, listen, I'm not going to ask you to do much math today, but you take one mistake every day for a year. How many you got? 365. Except for leap years, you could throw another one in. Every 10 years. What is that? 3,650. Now, let's just pretend a decade of good works and as much behavior modification as possible. Yes, God, please let me in to your presence with 3,650 missing the marks. No, oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a, 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 a past that stands accusing us. It stands against us. But Jesus, but Jesus came and canceled the record of sin against us. He canceled the debt of sin against us. He spoke peace where there was chaos and sin and separation. And He's brought a peace to the vertical relationship. And therefore, it leads to a second peace. And this is what I call the presence of Peace. There's a peace that God gives. So first, peace God made is only he could do. Now, the second step, as we grow in our relationship with God, there's the second peace that God gives. I call this, yes, uh, uh, the abiding relationship kind of peace. The abiding relationship kind of peace. Maybe you sense it sometimes in moments of worship. Maybe you sense it at, at a tender point of a message or at the end of the service with the prayer team or driving down the road when you didn't know that a song was coming on that you needed to hear or you were reminded of a story or you said a prayer and a miracle happened and a wave a rush of peace came over you that's very much how God operates still today He's involved in our lives, relationally with us. It's a peace with God. Romans 5, 1-2 Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have peace with God. It's a good feeling to wake up in the morning and know you have peace with God. A lot of people avoid not only this place, but every church. Sometimes people have even found themselves desiring, getting ready, going to church and turned away because shame, guilt, fear, their sin cycles and and the condemnation that the evil one, the enemy of our soul, accuses us of. It paralyzes us. But once we've given our lives, surrendered to Christ, you've got to know that the blood of Jesus silences The accusation of the enemy. As a few weeks ago, Tom so profoundly shared, the devil's a liar. Just so you know, he hasn't changed. But now through Christ, we've got that peace. And then we have the peace of God, which is do not worry. Matthew 6, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And then this third peace. Here we go. Let's get personal. Welcome it to your soul. The peace that God calls for. Lifestyle of peace with others. You are a peacemaker. When you show up, it's like this rain. Right now, it's peaceful. Fingers crossed I can make it through the message without having to yell, so you hear me, all right? Hopefully it doesn't get chaotic. But it's a, it's a peace that we're called as Christ followers to embody in our relationships. Not relationships with people we get along with, but relationally in every arena of life. As we continue to follow Christ, we become more peaceful people. I love... Um, a, a, Author Christopher J.H. Wright in his book, Cultivating the Holy Spirit. Allow me a moment just to share one of his quotes. He says, there's a third kind of peace and that is the peace that God calls us to work at in the way we live. God calls us to live at peace with others and to work for peace among Christians and indeed the wider world. This is by far the most frequent way that Paul uses the word and it's almost certainly the kind of peace he particularly has in mind in his list of the fruit of the Spirit. Peace. Not chaos. Not enmity. Not discord. Not anger. Not frustration. Not con- condescendingly speaking to one another. But with the mind of Christ and in the Spirit of Christ operating with peace. Peace. To one another. So I have found, I know the temptation is to, you know, see me as perfect. I get that. Just my weight to bear. <laughs> but I got too many people on site right now in this moment, in this room, who know that's not the case. <laughs> but peace, slowly, sometimes, rapidly at others, is the fruit it's the byproduct of relationship with Christ it's the calling upon our lives and those who know me well or actually you don't have to know me very well to know these three things i'm about to mention are obstacles to peace with the lives of those around me first my opinions Second, my ego. Third, my will. And fourth, my behavior. I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but it does. Paul just says, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Here's what's crazy. He just says, keep crucifying your old flesh. And that's exactly what it requires of us to be peacemakers. Like you ever noticed in Scripture, it's not a low bar. It's always a way high bar. You feel like it's out of reach. And I was thinking about this war within. I've thought about I didn't go through every argument I've ever had because I would still be upstairs in my home, in my journal, having started a week ago. But if I look at glimpses and instances in relationships, in leadership, in church life, in home life, in parenting, dad life, you know, community life, every moment of no peace or chaos or war, I should say it's not always my fault. But someone involved has opinions, has an ego, has a will that is translating the behavior you're receiving or the behavior that you're giving. And Paul says listen, you've got to lay your weapons down. Profound moment. It didn't seem that profound moment at the time, but a profound moment. I still remember it. I I, I don't think Kelly will remember it. Um, But we were driving. um, I think it was our third year of marriage. And there was just, I I have strong opinions. And uh, at that time in my life, I was more concerned with being right than peace. Peace. And I remember this this does not happen to me every every time I'm in an argument or uh, 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 argument, disagreement. Thank you. Yeah, disagreement. That's a good one. And so I'm driving I'm driving down the road and I'm reeling off why I'm right. My points and, you know, typically, you know how it gets, you get a little defensive and then you start projecting, well, you're. You just need to see it this way. I don't understand. Eh. And, and it was like the Lord, well, I could just feel his whisper next to me. Like, Paul, it's not worth it. I was like, get behind me. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and the, and the, I kid you not, we're driving. I still remember it was in Freeport. So we were in Florida at the time. We were driving back home um, from this intersection. I remember we're coming around. And the Lord just says, It's not worth it. The goal is peace, not pride. The goal is peace, not your ego. It's better to live right and right than to be right. And I'd love to say, man, it changed my life. I've never had a disagreement since. But what it did was it made me aware it was like a self-inflicted spiritual warfare. Like Sometimes we call things spiritual warfare, and, and they legitimately are. Other times, it's our pride. Other times, it's our ego. Sometimes for me, it's my will. I've got to be right. And I don't know if you found that in your life or in your family or in your circumstances, maybe in the workplace. It's always tested. Let me just throw this out there. A little nudge of advice. Peace is tested when things aren't going your way or when somebody has an opinion or a disagreement that's different than you. Like, I'm always easygoing with my children until they start doing things I don't want them to do. And they aren't listening. And they keep not listening. And they keep right because it's me having to lay down my will. Paul is writing, Paul is calling. Christ Himself laid down a new law. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. We talked about love. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. I shared two weeks ago that the filter of love, if you will is what all the other fruit come from. It's a byproduct. If we can get love right, all of these will take care of. because if I love people well, peace is on the scene. Despite disagreements, here's what's crazy: despite arguments and disputes, here's a beautiful thing: peace can still be on the scene. Like you've heard of that for arguments. Fight, What is it? Fight fair? Tone, timing. What's the end game? Is it of a pure initiative? That's what God calls us into is a lifestyle of peace with others. And the early church, I love looking at the early church because, man, they missed the mark so much. Everywhere you turn, they're finding a reason to argue with one another. And there was no greater argument than Jew and Gentile. No greater argument. And many times, the argument of Jew and Gentile was a simple argument between steak and potatoes, meat and vegetables. In Romans chapter 14, Paul lays out an entire chapter of your Bible has to do with diet. Some thought it was great to eat meat. I'm kind of in that camp. Others They said the meat is a no-go. And Paul writes, beginning of Romans 14, 1-3, we'll bring these verses up real quick. Accept the one whose faith is weak. Dream with me for a moment of a church, of a church that led. Not always requiring the strongest link, but keeping an eye out and an ear out for the weakest link. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Paul says, listen, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak, not necessarily weak in faith, but weak to see that meat's okay, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. It's like Paul's up upstairs in the cafe. And he's just kind of taking it in. And Paul's saying, listen, as you sit there with your coffee that is black. And you see people go and grab the French vanilla. Smile at them. Wave at them. Welcome them. Don't be the my fitness pal. Judgy self. And then when they go over and grab a couple donuts. Be at peace my soul. Don't be judgy towards them. Accept those whose faith is weak. It's, it's funny. But Paul really is getting at the heart. Of how inconsequential some disputes are. Of how some relationships divide over what's called disputable matters. Paul's longingly, he's lovingly calling them into not living ego first. Not living their will first. Not letting pride get in the way. of Passion. Of compassion and kindness. Romans 14.19 And I'm going to close in... 60 seconds. Romans 14, 19, it says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. That's the verse. If you're there saying, Pastor, what verse smacked you upside the head this week? Romans 14, 19. Here's the challenging part. Here's the part that was uncomfortable and I almost edited. I'm kidding. I didn't, but I wanted to. Make every effort. What if you and I lived in the context here, but in the context at home, in the context in our workplace, in our schools, in our colleges, in our uh, community events. Imagine a softball field. Dream with me. Your child's softball field. And the referees are experiencing the fruit of parents that are making every Effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. <laughs> It'd be like a holy moment. People would not, wouldn't know what to do with it. If we're not arguing, what are we doing? No, it's that peace that God has called for us to do and to live in. I'm going to uh, read a list to you that was also by Christopher Wright in his book, Cultivating the Spirit, who I quoted earlier. Let me read this list. He's got a, at the very least, list. I believe I included these in the notes. If we could bring them up. Here's what Christopher Wright would say when he's thinking about peace. He would say, at the very least, here's, here's what we should be practicing. We should seek to address and resolve conflicts among ourselves rather than adding them or causing them in the first place. We should be careful to avoid the kind of words and attitudes that easily create misunderstanding and division. We should be quick to apologize and say "Sorry," and even if we were not strictly speaking the ones in the wrong, "Sorry" may be the hardest word, but it is often the first one that leads back to peace. Now think about this. Maybe it's relationships in this room. Maybe it's relationships with people in our second service. Maybe it's relationships in your family. Maybe it's relationships in your workplace. Maybe it's relationships on social media. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, maybe there's relationships. Think of that. We shouldn't jump to defend ourselves when things are undone, or excuse me, are done or set against us, but allow God to vindicate the truth in his own time. Paul said it is better to suffer wrong than to take other Christians to court. I mean, isn't that painful? We need to follow carefully the instructions of Jesus on how brothers and sisters should deal with grievances against one another. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Rather than just going public in the press or on blogs, social media, etc. about other people. Above all, we should avoid all kinds of gossip about others and learn the strict discipline of keeping confidences. Now, if that Challenge you today. Remember, it's not me. I'm quoting Christopher Wright in his book, Cultivating the Spirit. Be mad at him. But I thought, that's it. That's it. That's that's the evidence. That's the evidence. That's what God says that, listen, people are going to know we're following Jesus. Not because of our theology. I mean, I want that. Like, I want people to know... We're Christians because of our theology. But Jesus says they're not going to know because of your theology alone. He says, listen. He says it's going to be because of the love that you show to one another. And I would propose to you that a peaceful climate that you create, especially with people you disagree with, is a magnificent witness of the gospel of Jesus. Like at an HOA meeting, Biting your tongue. At your neighborhood Facebook group. Biting your fingers. So they're not typing what you know you want to say. When your teacher is throwing out assignments left and right and your homework is compounding to exhaustion levels. Operating with a level of peace. Operating with refrain. Is a sign. It's a symbol. Those people got some fruit. On all accounts, all of the circumstances, if somebody had said that to me, I would be going, beep, 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 beep. But look at them, showing kindness, showing peace, offering a hand of kindness and peace and love. I mean, I'm just convinced, bear with me, I'm just convinced that if there was a group of people that operated this way, it could turn the world upside down. Like, dream with me that 2,000 years ago, imagine there was a collective of people that chose this path instead of the gospel of Rome. That called Jesus King of Kings, not Caesar, though everybody else was calling Him Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Imagine a group of people who cared for the poor, who cared for the marginalized, who extended the hand of peace when there should have been war, who took the pain, the hit, the suffering, instead of demanding their rights. Imagine. Imagine with me. They may not be able to see it, but 2,000 years later, there'd be churches in southern Indiana, of people being set free, of generations being transformed, by the goodness and the kindness of God. It just may change the world. I end on a prayer. It's been given the title, The Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. I'd love it if we can pray it together. I know we haven't practiced, so we'll hope for the best. But I'll lead us in then we'll sing a song of worship and our prayer team will be available, okay? It says, Lord, make me an instrument of Thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, and it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Thank You, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for hearts transformed by the wonder and the work of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that you love us. In the midst of our growth, in the midst of our spiritual development, thank you, Lord. We know that your ways are the ways and the roads that lead to abundant life. Thank you for leading us so well, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.